Welcome to Live Vedanta, a podcast about simple living and high thinking. We're continuing our series, Bhagavad Gita 101, focusing on relating. Is it possible to reach a point where we are not affected by others? What is that inner vision we need to relate to all? Let's tune in into this packed session of four powerful verses. Ariyom and greetings from Niagara Falls. If you go to a dermatologist, you don't ask that dermatologist to teach you about American history. That's a precious opportunity to ask questions about your skin. Do you agree? If you're on the Expedia.com website, You don't go there looking for the newest shoes. You go there to find flights in a hotel. Do you agree? When you study the Shastra, when you study the scripture, why do you study the Shastra, the scripture? The reason is for the Sadhya, which means the goal of life, the end of all goals, that is to be happiness. One should be careful not to study the Shastra, the scripture, for any other reason other than the Sadhya, because when we do, we're in a game of dilution. And that's why I gave you references of the dermatologist, the travel website, that you don't do that. Then why break that mindset when it comes to studying the scriptures? The sadhya. And if there's an end, there has to be a means. And that is known as sadhana. Our course, Applied Gita, is to be clear about the sadhya so that we're clear about our sadhana. How do I apply myself to be happiness? This will only happen through jnana or insight. When we are taught and what we are taught makes sense, we will live accordingly. If what we're being given is not an insight, we may practice that for some time, but not forever, because this doesn't make sense. We began our course in September with a focus on evolving. Chapter 2, verse 7 was the first step we took in our practice, and the focus was honesty. To be honest if you want to evolve or don't want to evolve. Prince Arjuna does. We moved on to 824, where the focus was to simplify. Simplify all aspects of you outside 
so that you can simplify all aspects of you inside, so that we don't have multiple purposes in life, but a singular purpose to be happiness. We continue to 1310, where the teaching was to practice aloneness. As you're trying to simplify, be with yourself more, date yourself more, so that you know how to grow, how to evolve. And finally, 436, this verse highlighted how even the worst person can become happiness. So whenever you feel dejected, whenever you're having a bad day, always remember this verse, you are not the worst person. And if the worst person can be happiness, you definitely can be happiness. In October, we shifted to deciding. And we started with 1837. Whatever we decide should be for the long term, because we want lasting happiness. 439 was next. And the message here was to have faith in yourself. Many of you have raised questions about how do you know what you're doing is right? And I shared with you that you should trust yourself. Trust your decision making. Shift from the mind to the intellect. That was a underlying thought through the happiness series. 434. We need a reference when making decisions, especially for more difficult, subtler decisions. What would the wise do? What would those who are happy, what would they do? And for us to try to imitate that, follow that. And we completed deciding with 237, which was to try, make a decision, and learn from that decision. If you're right, keep doing it. If you're wrong, change. November, the focus was, is, communicating. We started with 1417. And this was on the gunas. Laziness, aggressiveness, calmness. When we know what's going on inside of our minds, we can adapt. When we know what's going on in others' minds, we can adapt. 1715, specifics were given on how to speak. Satya, Hitta, Priya. I added Mitta from Srimad Bhagavatam. What we speak should be truthful, should be beneficial, should be beautiful, and should be measured. We shouldn't speak unnecessarily. This is an ideal way of communicating. We moved on to 321, a famous shloka in Bhagavad Gita, that shows where there are leaders, there are followers. Where there are followers, there are leaders. And I gave you a percentage that, in a typical setting, 5% of people emerge as leaders and 95% as followers. If you happen to be that leader in a setting, you have to be super responsible because those 95% are going to be following. 
and we completed communicating with 254. Where Prince Arjuna asks Bhagavan Krishna, how does an enlightened person think, speak, sit, walk? And why we took up this verse, our aspiration should not be to communicate like a human, like a jiva, but to communicate like God, like Brahman. And the beauty of this is that communication goes past words then, past actions. It is a, a feeling. For the month of December, we are focusing on relating. This is a lovely focus. We've already covered this in our Vedanta and Mentors workshop. A mentor who can relate anything they say will be accepted by a student. And a mentor who can't relate, <laughs> they can say what is best, but that will not be accepted. Yes? We begin with chapter 6, verse 9. And I'll give you the introduction to this verse. Chapter 6, the highlight, the basis is dhyana, or contemplation. And in the 8th verse, Bhagavan Krishna tells Prince Arjuna, someone who knows how to contemplate, for them, a handful of dirt, a stone, and a piece of gold, functionally are different, but fundamentally are the same. And I think for everyone in our course, you already know that. That means you know how to contemplate, yes? <laughs> That's not such a strong inference that you should flow with. <laughs> So in the next verse, because Bhagavan Krishna knows Prince Arjuna is kind of rolling his eyes, so what? That's the verse we're stud studying. One who knows how to contemplate, they can relate, they can identify, they can work, they can live with all of the types of people that I'm now going to highlight. Okay? Again, chapter 6, verse 9. Suhrin mitra yudasina. Suhrin mitra yudasina. Madhyasta dvesha bandushu. Madhyasta dvesha bandushu. Sadushwapicha papeshu. Sadushwapicha papeshu. Samabuddhir vishishyate. I'm going to rearrange this shloka. I'll give you some context and then we'll climb up a ladder. I once taught at a family retreat that was entitled The Good, The Bad, and what's the last word? The Ugly. Do you remember that Clint Eastwood movie? It was Clint Eastwood, right? The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And uh, I use this verse. I use this verse to highlight the good, the bad, and the ugly. So here, sama buddhir vishishyate, the one whose intellect, the one whose personality is sama, is calm, is quiet, is balanced, that person, vishishyate, relates, excels, with whom? I'm starting with the ugly, 
There are three types of people that are ugly inside, okay? Obviously, I'm not talking about outside. They're the hardest to relate to. So the worst is the poppy. A poppy is one who goes against the scripture. The Shastra teaches dharma or responsibility and brahma or happiness. A papi is someone who's irresponsible and unhappy. Living with one who's irresponsible is most difficult. Easier than that is a ari. Ari means enemy. And the technical meaning of enemy is one who perpetually torments you. So you may think your supervisor or your subordinate is your enemy, but they're not. They don't perpetually torment you. And if you internalize this more, the one who perpetually torments you is your mind, no? Adi. And the last to complete the ugly is a dvesha. Dvesha is someone who harms you because you harm them. An Ari has harmed you even though you haven't harmed them. But a Dvesha is someone who's retaliatory, someone who's revengeful or vengeful. Dvesha. They're easier to get along with than an Ari because if you don't harm them, they're not going to harm you. Got it? That's at the bottom. We go to the middle now. I'm on the fourth rung. Udasina. Now this Udasina is like the Hindi Udas. You know, someone who doesn't care. Because the Sanskrit Udasina is one who's uh, beyond all. This is more of the Hindi Udasina that if you succeed, good. If you fail, good. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. So it's not someone who's apathetic. More like someone who's ignorant. Like, I don't know what's going on with you and I'm not concerned. So they're the bad. They're not ugly inside. They're bad inside in the sense that there's no relation to you. You have no relation to them. Above that is a madhyasta. Madhyasta is someone who wishes well for both parties. So it would be like someone who's nonpartisan in the intelligence committee workings that are going on right now, right? <laughs> But the Republicans called the impeachment committee. Yes, see, partisan. But a Madhyasta, they are supportive of both sides. And then rung number six, and you're gonna love this. You know who's at number six? Bandhu. Point to me your Bandhu. For many of you, they're sitting beside you right now. <laughs> that is your family members. They're still in the bad <laughs> category, but the highest of the bad because. A bandhu or family member is someone who cares for you because they have to. <laughs> There's almost a legal or physical obligation. So they care for you because they have to. Now that's not a really a wonderful way to live, correct? So we've covered six now. Now I'm on rung seven. Now we're in the good. And we begin with mitra. A mitra is someone who cares for you even though they don't have to care for you. A bandhu is someone who cares for you out of obligation. A mitra is someone who cares for you out of opportunity. 
That's why they're in the good. They're far easier to live with, to relate to. For many of us, our good friends could be closer than some of our relatives, no? Number eight, even easier to get along with, is a suhrit. Suhrit means one who is large-hearted. A large-hearted personality is one who gives with no expectation. Because their heart is so large, they already have all they need, so they keep on giving. And number nine, the easiest personality to relate to is a sadhu. And a sadhu is the opposite of a papi. A papi is someone who's against the scripture. A sadhu is one who's for the scripture. They are responsible and they are happy. The implication of this verse is, and you may have caught that there's one word that's missing and that word is cha. What does cha mean? Cha means and or in this case, etc. These are nine broad categorizations of people. And etc. means there's endless varieties of people. And when you know that, you don't generalize. When you know that, you engage in active listening more. When you know that, you try to sympathize. Yes? For an ignorant person, they generalize. All people are like me, or all people are like you. So there's no listening, there's no sympathy, there's no relating then. Okay? We continue. We go to the next chapter. And let's uh, chant this shloka again. Now you know what these relationships mean. Suhrin mitra yudasina Madhyasta dvesha bandushu Sadushwapicha papeshu Samabuddhir vishishyate I'm now on chapter 7, verse 7. One of the most famous verses of Srimad Bhagavad Gita because it involves jewelry. And Indians love jewelry. <laughs> Please repeat. Mattaf parataram nanyat. Mattaf parataram nanyat. Kinchidasti dhananjaya. Kinchidasti dhananjaya. Mai sarvamidam protam. Mai sarvamidam protam. Sutre manigana iva. Sutre manigana iva. How many of you have heard this verse before? Lots of you. Mattaf parataram nanyat means, in reference to me, there is none that is higher. Now in Advaita Vedanta, whenever we say higher, show me another symbol that's equivalent to higher. Deeper. Okay? Spatially, higher does not mean deeper. But when it comes to self-development, if you go higher, that means you're going deeper also. Kinchidasti dhananjaya. 
Bhagavan is emphatic here. Kinchidasti means at all. There is nothing that is higher than me at all. It doesn't matter what reference you take. And so we should also feel there, whatever is coming, there is nothing that is deeper than what Bhagavan is about to say. And what does he call Prince Arjuna here? Calls him Dhananjaya. What does Dhananjaya mean? Shall I tell you the English form of Dhananjaya? Dan. <laughs> Dan is a shortcut for Dhananjaya. <laughs> it breaks my heart when people take this name Dhananjaya and call it Dan. <laughs> when Raja Yudhishthira, as in his elder brother, he was trying to unify all of the chiefdoms into one kingdom. There was a sacrifice, there was a yagna, where a horse was released, and wherever this horse went, freely, a wild horse, if it came onto my property, let's say, this <laughs> quarter acre, if it came onto this property, I either have to fight Raja Yudhishthira or I have to surrender to Raja Yudhishthira. Okay? Now, who's the captain of Raja Yudhishthira's army? Prince Arjuna. So everyone just surrendered. And what he did was so many of these leaders, they were hoarding their wealth. And when Prince Arjuna defeated them, all of that wealth was released into their own kingdom and beyond. See, the Pandavas were not greedy. They never hoarded wealth. They gave it back to the people because it's the people's taxes. It's the people's funds. That's why he's Dhananjaya, the one who's conquered greed. Not the one who's conquered wealth in a literal way. Okay? So if your name is Dhananjaya, <laughs> Or Dan, think deeply about this. And if you know a Dan, you tell them what I just said. Mai sarvam idam protam. Sarva means all of this. Protam is fixed, is built, mai, on me. That is Bhagavan Krishna. And give us an example. Iva, sutre manigana. A sutra is a thread. And what is a manigana? A manigana is a pearl. Like pearls are connected on a thread, so too all this, and in our case specifically, all people are connected by God. Yes, everyone understood the literal meaning. Now, a quick question before I share how to practice this. Why is a pearl used? That's all Bhagavan could find. He couldn't find a diamond, couldn't find platinum or whatever jewels exist. He can create whatever he wants. For those who have diamonds, diamonds are typically see-through, yes? Can you see through a pearl? And back in the day, did they have artificial pearls? Were they grown in factories? All was natural. So we're like a pearl. 
We are natural and we can't see what's inside of us. We can't see that thread. That's why a pearl is used. If this was a diamond, you could see that thread or that chain. Yes? So carefully, these details are shared. Okay. What am I supposed to do with this verse? I want you to look around at the people in, in your study group or around through Zoom. What do you see about them first? Their skin. Skin here means just our outer covering. To practice this verse, when you see someone's skin, what you should be thinking about or your insight is, they have come into your life for a purpose. They've come into your life to make your life easier. Or they've come into your life and or come into your life to make it harder. Some have come into your life for the long term, some for the short term. So whenever you see someone's skin, that's with your eyes, your insight should be karma. This is your karma that's playing out. I especially want you to remember this with your family. Okay? Looking around again, what is the next deepest part you see of someone? Their mind. When you interact with people, when you live with people, a mind has virtues or strengths. So as you're trying to relate to people, instead of focusing on their weaknesses, your insight should be focus on their strengths. Focus on what they've given to you, what they've done for you, rather than the other way around. The Sanskrit word for this would be guna. Anumanji is jnana guna sagara. So you see their skin, karma. They're in your life for a reason. You see their mind, guna. What are their strengths? It's far easier to relate to someone, to be close to someone, if your reference is their strengths, correct? And finally, What's deeper than their body and mind? Their spirit or Atman. When you see that, and that's where this shloka is really taking us, is that the depth of that pearl is that cord or that thread, and that um, presence in them is also the presence in you. When we say namaste, that's the whole point. Namahate, we are one. So in Sanskrit, this would be satta. Tune into their existence. Okay? These are really lovely verses on how to relate to, with people. How not to be rajasic and tamasic with people. Let's chant this again. Mattaf parataram nanyat kinchidasti dhananjaya mai sarvamidam protam Sutre manigana iva. The next time you have to buy jewelry, buy pearls. It'll remind you of this shloka, yes? We move to chapter 12, verse 15. And I really, really, really like the virtue that is highlighted here. 1215. 
This whole chapter is awesome. For your reference, this is the shortest chapter in Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 15 and chapter 12 both have 20 shlokas. However, in chapter 12, all of the meters are shorter meters. In chapter 15, some of the meters are longer. This chapter is actually taught to kids to help them sleep. That kids, 20 verses is not so much, that they would chant this helping them sleep. Now we have fancy lights and fancy sounds and so on. The original is this chapter. If you have trouble sleeping, memorize this chapter. And you're all great. You've already memorized all of the shlokas that we've studied, right? Twelve. Now I've added two more. Yes. Yasma no dvijate lokaha. Yasma no dvijate lokaha. Loka no dvijate chayaha. Loka no dvijate chayaha. Harsha marsha bhayo dvegaihi. Harsha marsha bhayo dvegaihi. Mukto yasacha me priyaha. Mukto yasacha me priyaha. Yasman no dvijate lokaha. The one who does not agitate the world. And similarly, loka no dvijate chayaha, the one who is not agitated by the world. That's the highlight of this verse for us. The one who does not agitate the world, meaning people, and the one who is not agitated by people. By a show of hands, let's take the first part of this. Do you know someone who never agitates others? By a show of hands, they simply do not agitate others. Okay, I don't see too many, <laughs> too many hands up. Do you know someone who's never agitated by others? Okay. It seems like more of you know someone who's not agitated by others, and perhaps it's harder not to agitate others. Okay? There is only one way not to agitate others. What do you think it is? Only one way not to agitate others. Never talk to them. Avoid them completely. Pay them. <laughs> the answer is, what Swami Tejumayananda shared with us, is being responsible. Following Dharma. Those who are responsible the only people they agitate is those who are irresponsible, correct? But generally, they don't agitate anyone. And a fine example of this is when you're driving in a defensive, responsible way, then you don't bother anyone, correct? But if you're texting and driving, if you're fatigued and driving, all of a sudden you're bothering everyone around you, correct? And the opposite is true too. How are you not bothered by people? 
They're so boring, annoying, dirty. <laughs> How are you not bothered by people following Dharma? If you're so absorbed in your responsibilities, who cares if someone brushed their teeth or not? Who cares about someone's accent or not? No. That's the power of, of being responsible. Okay? Harsha, Amarsha, Bhayod, Bhayod Vegehi, Muktaha. The one who's free from. Harsha means elation. Amarsha means depression. Bhaya means fear. Udvegehi means um, agitation, like we studied. So the technicality behind this. Whenever something comes into your life, like an iPhone 11. Yeah, that's the newest one, right? <laughs> Did I tell you what phone I have? I have an iPhone 4, just for your reference. And it's so awesome because anyone who would try to take my iPhone 4, it would be more of a hassle for them, correct? <laughs> they would be doing themselves a disservice by taking my phone. If you have an iPhone 11, so you know that elation, what's coming with it? Fear. Yes, someone stealing it, you losing it, you dropping it. But if you never went into that elation, what's also not going to come? Fear. Yes. Amarsha means depression, and I don't mean this in a clinical way. It means being dejected, being sad. What comes with that? being agitated. If I want that iPhone 11 and I get it, there's elation and fear, but what if you get it? It's Black Friday, it's the last phone, you get it, I go down, and then what am I thinking about? You. You got it. Or suppose Vyasa took too long to get ready. It's Vyasa's fault. I couldn't get in the car, I couldn't shop. So I keep being agitated by it. How do we deal with this roller coaster? I'm going to give you an insight from Happy Hour. Yesterday we studied the value called Preeti. You all know a Preeti. Preeti means to be accepting. Sometimes people say Preeti means to be loving, and it does. But the, the preceding virtue to being loving is to be accepting. If you're accepting, two vices that start with A go away. What do you think those are? The one who is accepting is never annoyed. How many of you are annoyed today? Every one of you should have your hand up. Don't lie. <laughs> How many of you are annoyed by someone in your study group right now? <laughs> Again, all of you should have your hand up. Stop lying. <laughs> so one who is practicing applied Gita, being accepting, and I've already given you a framework for that, skin, mind, um, spirit. I've told you all of the types of people there are, and when you're accepting, 
You let go of being annoying and you let go of being angry. Angry. The very first verse we studied in our course was about being honest. How many of you wish you were less angry? How many of you are actively working on being less angry? Okay. Here's the key. Practice being accepting. And this verse is concluded with, Yaha sacha me priyaha, the one who is responsible, the one who is accepting, that one is priya, is dear to me, is close to me. Who's me here? God. We always think about who God is close to. Remember, God is not partial. God is only close to those who are close to God. When Swami Prakashananda was speaking on Gita and Ramayana in Cleveland, he had shared when you, when you serve humanity, you do so with two hands, and Bhagavan provides all of the rest of the hands to do your work. See, if I'm serving one person, all I need is two hands. But if I'm serving 100,000 people, how many hands do I need? I need 200,000 hands. I have two. Where do the other 199,998 hands come from? Bhagavan Krishna provides that. He's giving his guarantee here. Together. Yasman no dvijate lokaha, loka no dvijate chayaha, harsha marsha bhayo dvegaihi, mukto yasacha me priyaha. Then our last verse to complete relating, to complete this year, which you don't know about, we are on chapter 3, verse 11. Chapter 3, verse 11. For your reference, this is one shloka in a whole section of shlokas. This section goes from 3.9 to 3.17. It is one of the best parts of Bhagavad Gita. For those who have come to the Understanding Marriage Retreat in Washington, D.C., these are the verses I taught. For those who came to the Seekers in the City Retreat in New York City many years ago, these are the verses I taught. So I'm just going to highlight 11. Devan Pavayata Nena Devan Pavayata Nena Te Deva Pavayantuvaha Te deva pavayantuvaha, parasparam pavayantaha, parasparam pavayantaha, shreyaf paravam, shreyaf parava vapsyatha, shreyaf parama vapsyatha. This whole section of this chapter, of this scripture, talks about Dedication, community, synergy, 
this really is the ideal subject for any corporation. Secrets of organizational success. I've extrapolated some of these thoughts. So if you're really looking for a framework on how to be a leader, how to be a supervisor, how to communicate with people, study these. Bhagavan Krishna tells Prince Arjuna, the way to worship the devas is to engage in yajna. What does yajna mean? You're going to say sacrifice, but you should say dedication. Yes? You will not sacrifice unless you have a reason to sacrifice. So yajna means dedication. Being dedicated to the devas. <laughs> now, all of you taking this literally, this is awesome. I'm a deva. All of you devis, be dedicated to the deva. It says it right here. Vivekji keeps promoting this. Deva here means this multiverse. Deva means creation. Deva means humanity. Be dedicated to humanity. And by doing so, humanity will nourish you, will support you. What can humanity give you? Suppose you sacrifice your articles, being circumstances, your resources, time, effort. You give everything to humanity. What can humanity give back to you? Humanity can give you what you want and what you need, and that is happiness. When you're dedicated to humanity, you have to give up everything inside. Outside, you don't have to give up anything, but inside, that dependence, that projection has to be given up and when you're, you start to throw all of that out, you start to throw out the ego too. And you get happiness. Parasparam bhavayantaha. Parasparam means uh, through cooperation. <laughs> I always tell Vyasa that. I said, Vyasa, you have to cooperate with me. Vyasa, say cooperate. And he'll say it. He doesn't mean know what it means. He doesn't do it. But at least he's getting it in his vocabulary. This is cooperation, this is synergy, this is NATO, this is the United Nations. Shreyaha Paramavapsyata By engaging in such dedication, you will be established in Shreya, you will be established in Parama. Shreya means long-term, it means lasting, and Parama means, here, happiness. And so this is the Final thought when it comes to relating to people. When you dedicate yourself to humanity, and please note, I'm not saying society, just one country. I'm not saying community, just an organization. I'm definitely not saying family, and I'm definitely not saying individuality. All of you, and I know a whole lot of you well, your potential is 10 to 100 times more than what you're releasing right now. Because your comfort zone is family and community. When you engage in tapa, when you have these insights, you start to dedicate yourself to society and humanity and community and families included in that. 
by doing so, you grow up from being happy to being happiness. That is the Shreya, that is the Parama. Together, Devan Bhavayata Nena Te Deva Bhavayantuvaha Parasparam Bhavayantaha Shreya Paravama Vapsyatha Avapsyatha if you enjoyed what you heard or want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at facebook.com slash cmniagara. For those on the journey of self-development, Chinmaya Mission Niagara provides a community forum for seekers to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.